Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. I wanted us to look at the way that Jesus shows us God's true heart intent and God's true character. And one of them is that Jesus is merciful. He is so merciful. He is so much more merciful than people. Can I just tell you? Even the people that love us the most can make us feel like we're about three inches off the ground sometimes, just that we're that low. And we even condemn ourselves. You know, I should have been better. I could have done better. If I only I'd done this. And God says, no, 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 no. Stop. Step back. Because of Christ, my mercies are new every morning. You start fresh and clean over again every time you ask for forgiveness in the name of Jesus. And we're not to be wearing a scarlet letter or to be carrying something that Christ already carried. He already took our transgressions and even the Bible says the chastisement of our peace. And that means even those things that bring us fear or bring us worry or concern. He already took that. And so we don't owe other people anything the Bible says except for to love them did you know that that's really freeing when you realize that I don't owe you an explanation about why I do what I do I don't really owe you anything except for to love you and in love in and of itself never fails second Corinthians 13 tells us that love is God so I just owe other people the same kind of Love and openness and forgiveness and forgiveness and forgiveness and forgiveness as I so desire. So Jesus started to teach people by his actions, by his words, by his life, what God was really about. Because in the Old Testament, as we talked about, there were some puzzle pieces missing from God. Um, He had not been fully manifested through his son, Jesus Christ. And so... Whatever was missing, people just filled in the blanks. If there was something good that happened, they thought that was God. If there was something bad that happened, they thought that was God. And it was Jesus that came and spoke about, yes, there is a devil. Yes, there is a bad. And no, it's not my father. As a matter of fact, he said, I came to give you life and life abundant. It's the thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So just simply put anything in your life that kills or steals or destroys hurts your time, hurts your family, hurts your finances, hurts you, hurts your feelings, is not God trying to teach you something any more than you'd push one of your children out in the middle of the street and go, gosh, I hope you get hit by a car because maybe you'll learn to not play in the street. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. God gets accused of so many things that he says very clearly that he is not a part of anything that's evil. He even says in the book of James that he's good and he doesn't change like shifting shadows. So he's trying to say, I don't sort of look this way and sort of look that way. I'm good. But we live in a fallen world, all of us. And it's been gray days. I mean, wow. I don't know about you, but I told Lacey, I said, I just want to go to sleep right now. I think I just want to go to sleep, you know. I want to eat a large meal and go to sleep, to be particular. That's what I want to do. And, you know, do I want to help his kids with homework? No. Do I want to continue to take Storm's temperature and give him liquids? No. Do I want to drive downtown and teach a class? 
No. If I was depending on my flesh, I wouldn't be here. But then once I get here, I know the Holy Spirit has me here. I'm here for a reason. You're here for a reason. We're on on this earth for a reason, in this generation for a reason, in this city for a reason. And we may not understand until we get completely to heaven. Matter of fact, I don't think we will. I don't think you understand how many people you affect, good or bad, during the day. Do you? I don't think you understand because you get a hold of this word and it changes your life and transforms your mind and renews your mind to the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect, so that you're not conformed to this world, as it says in Romans 12:2, And it can change literally thousands of people around you. And then that circle of persons changes that six degrees of separation, if you know what I mean, all around the world. So I just wanted to share that with you. I think about how Lacey and I, through other people, imperfect humans, I mean, as if there were perfect humans. Don't you love it when people say imperfect humans? You think, well, have I ever met a perfect one? Because I know when I look in the mirror, I'm like, it's not you, sister. You know, it's Jesus Christ. And he's the only one that won't ever let us down. And he taught us about mercy. And he taught... Lacey and I about faith, but if we hadn't come and come and come and come and learned about faith, we wouldn't have Storm, and Storm would be in an orphanage, and then what would his life be? It would be different than it is today. What would my life be? It would be different than it is today. We all affect one another. We're all apart together, and it's not just you coming tonight for you. It's not just you coming tonight to say, okay, I want to be happier, so I'm going to go to that. Or I need to learn more about the Word of God, so I'm going to go to that. No, you have within your realm to change thousands and thousands of people. But it's the Word that does the work. It's not us. It's the Word that does the work. And so it's when we get hold of the Word, we look at Jesus We love God, we love Jesus, and we love other people. And man, that's when they know we're Christians is by our love. Not by what we say, not by what church we go to. None of that matters. It's by how we live. And it doesn't mean that you're necessarily living perfectly, because I don't live perfectly at all. But I ask God's forgiveness, and I start over new all the time, all the time, new, new, new. And I have that hope, that hope that God is always out there to do the impossible, that hope that statistically, I'm not a statistic. Did you know that if you're a child of God, you're not a statistic? You can hear really bad statistics on it. If you're not this age, by the time you've done this, then that, or if you're not, if you're my cancer statistics, I'm not even a statistic. My precious doctor, this precious Jewish man, looks at me and goes, you're not even a statistic. I said, well, what kind of statistic is that? And he goes, I can't even say. It's not even point zero 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 one. It's not even a statistic. You're not a statistic. I said, does that mean I'm nothing? He goes, no, you're something. You're here, but we don't have any statistics on adults that have conquered AML that have had 95 to 99% bone marrow dysplasia. And I said, but I didn't conquer anything. I just believe God's word. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm not trying to proselytize you or anything. I'm just telling you the truth that I looked at a poster across my bed that said all things are possible with God. Luke 137, or I know it's also in Matthew 19, 
But I looked at that poster and I looked at that poster and that's just what I thought. And so that's what I'm going to think my whole life. Perfectly, no. But the more I'm in the Word and the more I get to know of Jesus, the more excited I get because it, it helps me to understand that even you in this room are here as ambassadors, not because, oh gosh, you know, we better go to that Wednesday class. or It's because the Holy Spirit sent you to be armed and to be ready for whatever God has in store for you. And so as we look at Jesus, he's merciful, and he shows us the Father. Philip said, please, Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus said, Philip, have I been around you this long time? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I don't do anything unless the Father shows me to do it. I don't say anything unless he shows me to say it. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the heart of the Father. And one of my favorite scriptures is found in John 8, 3. I'm going to read you some of it, so just bear with me. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery, and they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. What would you say? And they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. I love that. It's just that Jesus was never in a hurry. He just could hear God, and there's lots of theories about what he was writing. Some people said he was writing the names of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that had also committed adultery. Um, Other people said he was just doodling. But, you know, it takes having that confidence in God to actually wait on God. We'd almost rather give an answer, even if it's a wrong answer, than to have to wait on God and say, you know what, I need to pray about this. I don't know the answer. I I need to wait on God because I'm not even sure the direction for my life right now. I'm going to just wait until he shows me. And Jesus Christ, who's the Son of God, who is God, shows us that he was waiting for just the right answer. And then he says to them, if any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And then again he stooped and wrote on the ground. I love it that Jesus isn't even waiting for crowd reaction, which is something we all kind of do even if we don't want to do. Even people who say they don't care what people think care what people think because they care that people don't think well of them and they care to give off an Uh, some kind of aura that they don't care what people think because they care what people think. Does that make sense? Okay. All of us deep down inside have something that God created within us that wants to connect with other people. And it's like it sometimes takes a lifetime to realize I don't connect fully 100% with anybody. I mean, I used to think Lacey just does not meet my needs. I've been married to him for almost 22 years. And I used to think, you know, he really needs to meet all my needs until I realized, oh, well, that's not his job. That's God's job. He's not always going to understand me. He's not always going to say the right thing. He's not always going to be tender. He's not always even going to be the perfect person to talk to. Matter of fact, I mean, there are some times that I just want to grit my teeth and just go, oh, I wish I could teach him. I'm still trying to teach him how to treat me, you know, and yet he's my greatest hero and I love him so, so much. But 
No one is going to understand you or understand your needs like God does because he designed you. He understands you. He knows what makes you tick. He knows the desires of your heart. Some of us pray Psalm, 1, Psalm 37 that God, as we delight ourselves in him, will give us the desires of our heart. We don't even know what the desires of our heart are, you know? We really don't. It's like if someone said, you can have anything you wanted tonight. Two seconds. You got two seconds and say it. And half of us would be like, I'm not sure really what I'm not. I don't, I don't, motorcycle? I don't know. I'm sorry. I was answering for my husband, not myself. <laughs> okay. So he looks at this woman, this woman who has been humiliated. She's been judged. She's naked. And you know what? In all reality, she's been set up. Because how would they know? that she'd been committing adultery unless they set her up. And that's human nature. People set people up. And that's sad. I don't know if you've ever felt like the world has kind of set you up or you've been judged in some way, but I'm here to tell you tonight that Jesus is God and God is merciful. And God looked at this woman who had done things that were wrong and she knew was wrong just like you and I have done things that were wrong and we knew were wrong. And he says to her specifically, woman, has no one condemned you? Neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. You know, Jesus didn't say go leave your life of sin because he wanted to make sure that he had a nice-looking following. You know, like I've already said forgive you, go leave your life of sin. He said it because sin hurts. I can't even tell you, but any and every time I've ever sinned, it's looked like it was going to be a great thing, but there's always payday. There always is. Whether it's a secret sin or a sin that other people know about, sin hurts, and God loves us. He doesn't want us to hurt, so he doesn't make up rules of do's and don'ts because he wants us to have too many things to think about and do this and don't do that, and I just want to see if my kids are going to obey. He knows it hurts. And so Jesus is telling this woman, I want you to be forgiven, and I don't condemn you, but go and stop this because this can hurt you in so many ways, body, soul, and spirit. You know, often I've taught on mercy and Mercy is when we don't receive what we do deserve. All of us deserve God's judgment because he's perfect and we're not. Um, all of us deserve for uh, to be treated as we treat other people, matter of fact. And I'm kind of glad about that because I don't have the perfect track record on how to treat people and as soon as you think you do that's pride and then you can get judged on pride you know like I'm really nice so okay well that's pride anything good in us is of God anyway and so I love the way Jesus says go and I don't condemn you and that's saying to us too God doesn't condemn us mercy is not receiving what we deserve Whereas grace is receiving what we don't deserve. It's that great exchange between Jesus and us where we receive eternal life, a relationship with the Father, power in the word of Jesus, power in the word of God. Everything that Christ deserved, we receive because of grace. Not because we went to church all the right days, or we were born in the right family, or we did all the right things, or 
we made a million dollars before we were 40. You know, what? who cares? I mean, sometimes I look at the television and I just think, this is the biggest joke. You know, how deceived can we all get by thinking what's important is glitzy and glammy and bright and shiny. What's important is what's eternal. Jesus showed us by bending his knee and saying, let the little children come to me, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We're supposed to slow down, doodle in the sand if we have to, let the little children come to us, care about one another, forgive one another, and not condemn one another. Jesus shows us that God is merciful. In Luke 23:39, I love it that when Christ was on the cross, which was not lovely and not pretty and definitely not just a necklace that that Madonna wears. It was a brutal, brutal, vicious, torturous way to die. But he was between two thieves. And the one who simply believed Jesus promised him, you'll see me in paradise. You'll be there. Because he deserved it? I mean, what could he do on the cross to make up for the stuff that he'd done wrong. Because sometimes we feel that way. Like we feel like we're Christians and we're kind of in time out with God. You remember preschool when you would be in time out and you'd have to sit in the corner for a while? Well, Christians do things that maybe aren't so great. And some of us put other people in time out. Sometimes we put ourselves in time out. And it's like, until I do enough good things, then I don't really deserve God's love. And God's saying, no, no, no. Let me show you the thief on the cross. The one who believed is with me in paradise. What did he do to make up for all his bad acts? He believed. What do I do to make up for all my bad acts or all my mediocre acts or all of my good but not God acts or all of my decisions that were just nothing? Believe? Believe? You know, I I talk to people sometimes, they're like, I'm really scared for Christ to come back. I'm like, why? And they're like, I just don't have it together. And I'm like, well, you're never going to have it together. I don't have it together. No one has it together. The more we read the word, the more we walk in the word, the more we walk in the word, the more we have it together. But it's not even because I have it together. It's because the word has it together. And it's because there's less of me in me. We all need less of us in, in ourselves. Less of me and me is the reason I'm here tonight, not because there's more of me and me. And probably because there's less of you and you when you're like, okay, Holy Spirit, okay, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. But, you know, there's something to the presence and the anointing of the Word of God when people are gathered together and Jesus Christ himself is present because he tells if any two of us are gathered together that he is here also. And he says, if any two of us agree on anything on earth, it'll be done in heaven. And he hasn't changed. The book of Hebrews says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so whatever we're talking about tonight and whatever we're sharing of our Lord Jesus Christ in his word of God is true of him today. Are you the thief on the cross? Do you sit here tonight and go, man, I, I just, I've blown it so many times. Do I really, I, I, should I fear hell? I mean, no, not if you believe. Not if you believe that God sent his son Jesus to die for your sins. A matter of fact, I'd be more worried about you if you told me all the reasons you deserve to go to heaven. I'd be like, wow. 
that's a scary place to be because whenever we start thinking we deserve anything, that P word comes up, that pride word. And that's the very reason that Lucifer, the angel of the light, fell was because he was so full of pride that he didn't need God. And I fear for even Christians in church, outside of church, whomever that believes, you know, I don't really need that Jesus way. I can just kind of go to God and I'm a really good person. I'm better than the person that uh, I know next door. Well, big whoop, you know. We're supposed to compare ourselves not with anyone else on this earth, but with Jesus Christ. If we compare ourselves with anybody else on this earth, we'll either have complete zero self-esteem, zero esteem, even God good esteem, or we'll have pride. Think about it. You're either way worse, or I'm just way better, or I'm just good enough. You think about humans running packs. We kind of want to run in packs and kind of look around and go, well, everybody else is kind of right at this level, so I'm just kind of good enough. Well, when we go to meet our Heavenly Father, it's just going to be us and Him. And He knows us, and He loves us, and He wants us to say, I am here by the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, period. I'm here by your grace. But I also want to be here, I want to be your son or your daughter, and I want to do your plan in my life. That's what he wants us to say now. It's not over till it's over. And sometimes I know that we get to the end of a point of trying and trying and trying, and I know that in my case, in many instances, especially with chronic spinal pain, I would say, God, hello, excuse me, can it not just be over? But it's not. Why? Because we have a purpose. You have a purpose. Your life has a purpose. Your life impacts other people's lives. My life has a purpose. If it didn't, I wouldn't be here. God has a reason for us to be here. He has a reason for us to reach out and love to other people, and he has a reason for us to put one foot in front of the other, and that's belief. He wants us to believe him. Jesus is merciful. You've got to know tonight that God is so merciful. He is so merciful. In Luke 1, 76 through 78, Zechariah prophesies about his son John who proclaims the coming of Jesus and says, you, my child, and this is Zechariah talking about his little baby John, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercies of our God. Tender mercies of our God. It snowed in San Antonio like two days ago. Was that incredible? It was so amazing. And up from the top of my closet, I, I think they're, I don't know, maybe 10, maybe I don't know how many years old, but I have snow boots. And so I got lazy to get them down for me so that I could walk our dog with my snow boots in the snow. And I rubbed, I guess, my leg. I didn't even realize I did. And all of a sudden, it was like just raw. And I kept pulling my sock up, pushing my sock down, adjusting the boot. It didn't matter. It was just raw. And I thought, you know, after an hour of walking this Siberian Husky who's doing more pulling than he is walking, because that's what our, our dog does. We have a 
Siberian Husky named Blue. He's the third um, dog that we've had, or the fourth Siberian Husky that we've had. And um, he's all white with blue eyes. And he gets out there, and he's like kind of a furry wolf. And he gets in the snow, blends in, but he pulls. That's just his nature, you know, just kind of like some people who you're like, I, I meant lead, don't pull, you know. Some of us are more led, and some of us are more driven. He's definitely driven. What are you, you know? But I was walking along, and I realized this is painful. And then when I got home, I saw that I had this raw tender where all the skin had been rubbed off. And to even touch it with my index finger, even for the air to hit it, hurt. And I thought about God saying that he has tender mercies towards us. Have you ever felt so tender towards someone that you... You just felt like you could you could cry. I know that when I had our little babies, and sometimes they'd be asleep at night, and I would just take time enough to feel, which is something very un-American, but I would, like, stop everything I was doing and look down, and, and it would just make me just want to cry. Or just the tenderness of God's forgiveness in our own lives. He's so tender towards you. Even if you can't relate to that right now, he is tender. A man is tender. A perfect, perfect man. Just like Jesus Christ was tender, God is tender and merciful. Jesus heals. I'm really having to skip over some stuff because I look at that clock and I think, did we just really just halfway talk on one subject and I'm not even finished with it? But I want us to get through these and then... Perhaps we'll pick back up on them another Wednesday and get, get really into depth. But Jesus heals. Matthew 9:35. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Luke 6:19. And the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Luke 9:11. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. You know, you will never, ever reach out and touch Jesus without receiving some kind of healing. Some people say, well, you have to have this amount of faith or that amount of faith. I think that God gives us faith. And we, like little children, just say, I believe you. Sometimes I don't understand why things take a certain turn or they take a long time. But you'll never honestly and without false pretense... Reach out to God just between you and God and not receive some kind of healing. And that's what happened with the people with Jesus. There were crowds pressing in on Jesus, but you remember the woman with the issue of blood? She pressed in to Jesus. And there's a difference between touching Jesus and pressing in on Jesus. There's a difference between, you know, sort of like elbowing someone and then leaning your whole weight on them. I mean, completely dependent upon God, saying, I believe, and God heals. He says in Isaiah 55, 10 and 11, that his word literally is just like the rain and the snow and what it does to the earth. It never returns void without watering the earth and doing that which was intended. And so we need to also realize that God's word spoken over our lives or us speaking God's word over our lives or us reading God's word or us going home tonight and saying, Lord, I just want 
you to change me. I need your word. I need your truth in my life. I've been depressed lately. I I know you know it. Nobody else knows it because I smile all the time, but I have been, and I don't want to be sad. I want to make a difference in this world. Heal me. Your intent and your honesty. Jesus says, yes, I will. And God says, yes, I will. Jesus is the perfect picture of God. And that doesn't mean that we don't need sometimes medications. That doesn't mean that we don't need sometimes other people. As a matter of fact, in my Christian walk in the last however many years, I just turned 43, so I think I became a Christian when I was four. So we'll say somewhere around 39 years. In my Christian walk, I've learned that if I pray to God about something and nothing helps, and I keep praying and asking him to help me and nothing helps, and I keep asking him to heal me and nothing helps, Almost always it means that I need somebody else. And we hate that. Because we, at least I do, I would rather it just be me and God because I've learned I can depend on him and I can't depend on other people. But he set us up in this interdependency called the body of Christ. And when one of us is down, another one can pull up. When one of us is weak in faith, another one of us can help that person. When one of us doesn't have the answer, another one of us might. When one of us doesn't have enough supplies, the other one does. And God made us interdependent. And it is our pride that keeps us many times from receiving the answer or being healed or taking the next step. And we're continuing to say, God, why aren't you answering me? And he's saying, I am. I want you to go along this person or I want you to open up to this person or I want you to go and try sometimes it is medication how would we have any good medication unless God had given us the answers not always because God's not about some kind of a formula matter of fact it'd be so much easier if I could like be a mathematician and give you all a formula and say this works every single time This works when I have cancer. This works when I'm in fear. This works when I have chronic pain. This works. This worked when I died and came back. This always works. When I'm sad, this works. It doesn't because it's about a relationship with a live, heavenly Father that knows you so well. He knows you better than you know yourself. And you know what? He loves you better than you love yourself. Way better. Matter of fact, so often I said, God, I'm so glad I'm in your hands and not mine. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if I thought I was in my own hands, I would have given up on me a long time ago. Sometimes I even look back in, in albums. We have like eight years worth of pictures stacked on our dining room table right now because I've been in this like narcotic coma, and I guess I should explain that. But I was put on just a lot of narcotics throughout this horrendous back surgery and then the, another 13-hour reconstructed back surgery, not by choice. I'd never been on drugs before, didn't want to be on drugs, but I was in horrible pain. It didn't really even touch the pain. It just made me not care that I had pain until I needed another narcotic. And thank God I'm off all of them. And that's a whole other story in and of itself. But every project ceased in my house. Stopped, ceased, desist. And so I have eight years worth of albums to do. And I look back and I look at the pictures of me and I'm like, wow, how could you have even used me in that state, God? I mean, wow, is the Holy Spirit not so good? I look back at at even 
high school or junior high or things that I did or things that I thought or ways that I thought were important or maybe some wasted years there in college or maybe years that everything was Lacey's fault, you know, <laughs> like the first, you know, 19 years of marriage or so. Just, I'm just joking. I just want you all to smile. He's sitting right here, by the way. I, I had some people come up afterwards at one class and say, you know, you really shouldn't talk about your husband like that when he's not here. And I'm like, he is. He's here, you know. It's good to be able to laugh and go, wow, God loves me so much more than I love myself. When he looks down on me tonight, when he looks down on you tonight, he sees the blood of Jesus Christ. None of your past, not like people can do, because people pull out huge files of stuff, especially, I'm sorry, but women. I'm sorry, women do it worse than men. We, like, remember everything. And we'll flip through again. 1975, you did this. In 1986, you did that. In 1999, you did this. And in 2001, you did that. And the person's like, I already said I was sorry. God says, when you ask for forgiveness, I don't only forgive you, I choose not to remember. Now, we all know that God's omniscient, so it's not like he's forgetting or forgetful. He chooses not to remember. So we need to be like God and choose not to remember our own trespasses, our own sins, our own mistakes. And even if that means today, we need to start over tonight and go, God, I need you. If I've prayed to you and I know I'm not getting anywhere, maybe I need someone else to pray with me. Whatever you show me, I'm going to put pride down and I'm going to go after it because I don't want to get to the end of my life and go, well, what was that all about? I want to make a difference in this world. I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. I want to go to heaven and have everything in my life that looked like waste, that looked like dross, that looked like manure be used for good in your world. And only you can do that. I love to say this. I say it a hundred million times. That might be an exaggeration, but I'm trying to not exaggerate. So I've said it at least a hundred times, maybe more. How God can take plan Z when he wanted us to choose plan A. And we don't even choose B, C, D, E, F, G. We don't even go for any of that. We go for Z. And how he can, when we give him plan Z, Take plan C and make it better than plan A. It's like he's God or something, you know? It's like, how do you do that? I don't know how he does that, but he can do it. And so don't be sitting here tonight going, well, psh, I've already blown it. If you knew more about me, you wouldn't be so excited, sister. Well, no, if you knew more about me, you'd be like, wow, this is a miracle. She's a miracle. Wow. It's amazing that she's up there. It's amazing God even uses that girl. That's incredible. God is good. He uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He's merciful. He heals us. You won't ever press into Jesus without receiving some kind of healing, some kind of direction, some kind of truth, some kind of freedom. Keep pressing in and don't stop. God heals. In Psalm 103, some of my favorite scriptures, says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless your holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives all of your sins, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, and restores your youth like the eagle, who satisfies your years with good things. That's God talking. 
And people, that's Old Testament promises, and we've been given a new and better covenant. We have been given so much, but we need to open up our eyes and receive it, realize it. You know, I don't know that I believe 100% in this, but so much of our life is perception. Have you ever thought about that? Like, if you perceive yourself to be stupid, then then people have done lots of different laboratory tests, secular and, and non-secular, that you'll test that you're stupid. If you see yourself as being capable, then you act more capable. If you see yourself as being self-assured, I keep telling our teenager she's 16, and so she's right in that age of like, I'm not sure I should wear this. Have I seen anybody else wear this yet? I'm not sure I should wear this. I'm not sure she would appreciate this, but I hope she knows it's for a good cause. But you know, I just go, just wear it confidently. Wear it with confidence. We need to have confidence in God. We need to get up in the morning and have confidence in God and just perceive that he's with us. Sometimes I'll say, God, I'm going to perceive you're with me till I know it. It's like I'm going to just believe what I can't feel or understand, and I'm going to believe that you've got a good plan for me till I see it. And then I found out, wow, that's the definition of faith. The definition of faith, then Hebrews 11.1, is the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And we can't even come to God our Father, but that we come with faith. So we're not supposed to come with knowledge. We're not supposed to come with wisdom. We're not supposed to come with good works. We're not supposed to come with um, the right pedigree. We're supposed to come and go, I believe you. I'm just a thief on the cross, but I believe you. Jesus heals. God heals. God sees you right where you are. Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6 says, Lord, you've searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down, and you're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. Okay, let's just stop and think about that for a minute. You ever said something without even realizing what you were saying? See, the Bible says that out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. Lots of times we can find out what's in our heart by what comes out of our mouth. And sometimes God will use that as a wake-up call, not for people to be mad at us and not for us to be mad at us, but for us to realize That's down in there. I need that out. I need cleansing. He knows us before a word is even on our tongue. He knows what it is. Oh, Lord, you hem me in behind and before, and you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. How does Jesus show us that? You remember Nathaniel? Nathaniel asked Jesus, whoa, 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 because Jesus met up with Nathaniel, never had seen Nathaniel, and said, you know, this is a man of, of, of a pure heart, basically is what he said. And Nathaniel said, wait, how do you even know me? How do you even know what I'm like or anything about me? And Jesus said, oh, I saw you before sitting under the tree. You think Jesus and God didn't see you before and during and after and know the thoughts that are in our heads and love you anyway? He loves us anyway. I mean... That blows my mind. That's because God is God. He knows our human frailties. 
He knows the things that we can't control, the things we can control. He knows the things that we don't want anyone else to know. He knows the things that we're hiding from ourselves. And he loves us anyway. And he wants us to be free. And he wants us to be more like his son. And he makes it possible through his word. Freer and freer. I'm going to teach a whole series on this, supposedly starting next Wednesday night, but Jesus wants us to have abundant life, like we said in John 10.10. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and life abundant. Well, God wants us to have abundant life as well. In Jeremiah 29.11, God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Sometimes I have to get my Bible out, even though I could say that without looking at my Bible and read it out loud to myself because it doesn't look like it. And have you ever tried to just think about what would happen if you just stopped a book? Maybe you like to read books. Maybe there's somebody literary in here. You don't stop a book in the middle of the book. You wait until the end because, see, God is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And sometimes things can look really bad in the middle of a book. And then by the end, you realize, wow, look how that worked out. And we're going to be the same way with our lives. Don't stop. Don't judge God by the mid-chapter. Don't even judge him by the first ten. And especially don't judge God by how others have judged you because they aren't God. They only think they are, some people. We know God is God because he's love, and he really gets us. He really understands us, and he gets us when we don't get ourselves. You know, I've, I've expressed that just even with our teenager, I've had times where I've said, what is it going to take to make you happy? And then I've even gotten the answer back, I don't really know. You know, and I think God sometimes looks at me and goes, what is it going to take? And I have to just go, well, I don't really know. You're supposed to know that. See, it all is backwards in the kingdom of God. Matthew 6, 36 tells us to seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these other things will be added. And so I've even received things I didn't even know I wanted and wouldn't even have thought of receiving, like some hand-me-down clothes and some great things that I would have never bought myself ever in a million years. I don't even shop at that store because... I was seeking first the kingdom of God, and he laid it on someone's heart to give me those clothes. Or I was seeking first the kingdom of God, and that car just worked out. Or you were seeking first the kingdom of God, and that apartment just went through. Or you were seeking first his kingdom and and him and going after him and pressing in and pressing on. And he just said, okay, all these other things will be added. Maybe a great tip, maybe a great deal, maybe a great friend. Maybe a great word from God. We've got to go at it the way God tells us to put him first. And he wants us to have abundant life. And it's important that we know that God wants that. Jesus wants that. What we see in Jesus is what God is. Jesus has emotions and feelings. God has emotions and feelings. In John eleven thirty three and 35, Jesus is weeping. It said he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled, and he wept. In Psalm 56, 8, in the Amplified Bible, it says, You number and record my wanderings. You put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Think about that. That God literally 
tells us that he knows the number of hairs on our head. We know that from other scriptures. I think that was in Matthew. He says that he knows us so well, he knows how many hairs are on our head. I mean, he has an intimate knowledge. He knows so much more of us. He knows before a word comes out of my mouth what I'm going to say. And sometimes I want to just jump up and down and go, God, prevent it, (laughs) you know? And he's like, no, 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 I've given you a choice to follow me or not follow me. I've given you a choice to go after who you think you are and who you think you should be and who everyone else thinks you should be or how you can be like my son in this word. See, I've given you the choice to say the last word or not. I've given you the choice to watch that program or not. I've given you a choice what goes in your ears and your eyes and all the way into your heart. And we do become products of what we have fed ourselves. And that's why it's so hard to have one foot in the world and one foot in God's kingdom. That's why it's almost easier if you're in survival mode. Believe me, it was easier to serve God when I was taking chemo in the hospital and told I had a very short time to live than when I had to get out of the hospital, be a mom, be a wife, be a minister, go to the grocery store, put up with impatient people, put up with obnoxious people, put up with family members that are impatient and obnoxious, and put up myself. I had to put up with myself. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's like we all want God to just contain us someplace. And he's saying, no, I'm going to push you out there. And you know what? As you walk with me, I'm going to be pulling props out. Watch out. Because I want you to just lean just on me and just on my word. And you can do it. And to whom much is given, much is expected. And how do we change from glory to glory unless God starts pulling those props out? You no more best friend giving you the right word on the right day. You know, no more perfect radio program saying the right thing. No, you can't open your Bible in the middle of the Bible anymore and have it land on just the right verse. You actually might have to read it. You know, Jesus miraculously multiplies what we give him and God miraculously multiplies what we give him. Do you kind of realize, I mean, we only have a few more minutes. I could go on and on and on about how... Jesus shows us who God is. Jesus miraculously multiplied the loaves and the fish that one little boy brought to feed the crowd. Do you not think that you could go to God and go, okay, this is really all i got to give you here. And he can multiply that? Do you not think that you could just go to him with any little small thing and he could multiply that? It could be financial. It could be a gift or a talent that you have. It could be a person that you're mentoring or affecting. Who are they going to go on to be? God multiplies any and everything we give him, and so did Jesus Christ, and he showed that in his life. And then Jesus humbled himself to serve us. It was a Passover feast, and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. And he says to his disciples, you're blessed if you serve also. You know, it's not those who lead and are higher than and who are better than or who have attained some position that are the most like Christ. It's the ones who serve. And the ones who serve don't have to have the last word. The ones who serve will clean up even if it's not their own mess. I don't know why I'm supposed to say that again. The ones who serve will clean up even if it's not their own mess. The ones who serve love And all that they do, they do 
unto the Lord. Not for a person, not to be seen by other people, but for an audience of one. And Jesus says, now I'm leaving you, and, and it's these things that you'll be blessed if you do them, if you serve. God tells us in John 3:16 through 18 that he so loved the world that he gave. And you know, I don't really think we can separate those two words, love and gave, or love and give, or love and sacrifice. Because I think if, if honestly... They're so intricately a part of one another. If you really love, you'll give. You'll give of your time. You'll give of yourself. You'll give of your self-rights. If you really love, you'll humble yourself and be the servant to others. If you really love, you won't think you're above anyone else. You'll know you're not. You'll know that you're just a child of God. And prayerfully tonight, you all know that you're a forgiven and very loved child of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for your word that's alive and true and cleansing and forgiving. I thank you that your mercies are new every morning. I thank you that your word breaks through with light and there is no darkness where light has shone in and and shone in truth. And Lord, sometimes we could just kick ourselves saying, gosh, you know, why didn't I just read this verse earlier? Or I knew this. I knew this. Why didn't I come to you? And you don't want us to do that. You want us to just say, Father, here I am. I'm a thief on the cross next to you. And I just want to be with you today and every day in your kingdom and one day with you in paradise. God, there is a lot um, going on in our personal lives and in the world that we don't understand There's a lot of darkness around us, but anything we offer to you, you multiply. And I ask that we would each shine the light of Jesus outside of ourselves, outside of our four walls, outside of our family, and inside those places that are dark. That we we would not be of the world, but that we would transform to be more like you through reading your word, loving your word, and believe in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.